Well, it is good to be home, and not just be home, but be home for uh, for the long haul, for a little while now. I, I, I've 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 been gone. Uh, Quite a bit this this summer. I I did a uh, trip over to over to uh, Turkey and Greece, and and we've been and it was a learning trip. It was a trip where um, can you t- turn me down just a little bit, Steve? Uh, it, it was it was a trip where we where we are now studying some of the seven churches of uh, of Asia that are talked about in Revelation, and then uh, we'll also talk a little bit about Paul's missionary journey that that we got to that I got to go and experience some of the things there. And then I went to Soul Quest with uh, the youth group and with Jaime, and that was that was a, a great adventure to to go there. That's a camp I grew up going to. It's up in Nebraska. And last week I got to uh, celebrate my parents' fiftieth wedding anniversary. We went up to Kentucky and viewed. I don't know if anyone's gone to see this, but the this guy built a replica of the of the Noah's Ark uh, in Kentucky, and it was pretty cool. Uh, to see that, just the enormity of that, and it was it was really neat. And uh, now I am here at least till October, but it is good to be home, good to be with our church, my church family, good to be in my own bed. Uh, life is good. But one of the things I got to experience while I was gone, it was over at Soul Quest. This is always one of my favorite things that I that I got to see when I was a youth minister, and and just just all over time was when we go to a camp like Soul Quest at a college, we have junior high kids that come with us for the first time, and this is the first time that they are getting their freedom to go out and make their own choices. And one of the choices they get to use is, if you see up there, the soda fountain, right? And they, they, they see all these choices, and now mom or dad aren't just bringing them their soda. They get to choose what they want, and the choices are probably overwhelming to them because they don't just get one, right? They get a little bit of Coke, a little bit of Pepsi, a little bit of Sprite, and they just mix whatever. And the thing about a college campus, they don't just have Coke and Sprite and Pepsi and all that. They also have sweet tea and chocolate milk and whatever else you would, you would want to put in there. And these junior high kids, they'll do it. And they'll sit there, and then they'll I'll look at them, and I'll say, well, how's it taste? And they tell me that it tastes fantastic, right? Now, I don't see them ever finish these things, but they say it tastes good. So I want you to think about what is the perfect drink or the perfect meal? And are you ever in search of the perfect drink or the perfect meal or, or, or the perfect answers to almost anything in life? We have a lot of things that we're going through in this life. There's a lot of things that we struggle with in, a, in this life. And we look for answers. And sometimes we're looking for the perfect answer. And sometimes just extra choices don't necessarily make it better. And a lot of times, all these extra choices in this world can make it worse. And that's what brings me today to the church that was in Pergamum. Because the church in Pergamum had choices. All sorts of different choices. And the choices would give them the answers to what they wanted in life. So if you have your Bible, open up to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. And we're going to be in verse 12 today. It says, To the angel of the church of Pergamum write, 
These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Pergamum was one of the most incredible cities that I got to visit. Right there, you'll see that's the steepest theater in all of uh, in, in all of these these uh, ancient churches or ancient cities. Right there, and it was a city that sat way up on a hill, so people could see it for miles and miles around. It it was a place to see, a place to experience. And one of the things that they had in Pergamum, which was the capital of basically the, the, the Pergamum Empire or, or this, this northern Turkey area, since it was the capital, it had a, de- a monument or a temple to almost every single deity that you would have wanted to go and see. And so the people of Pergamum, they, if they had a need, if they wanted something helped in their life, they would go to the temple of these fake gods that would give them the answers that they needed. They had all the answers that you needed, and it was just this variety of place, a variety of temples, variety of gods that met all of their needs. Or at least that's what they would have hoped. If you go up to Pergamum, you would see uh, where, where, where Jesus says, this is where Satan has his throne. And it's not necessarily just because of a specific throne there that Satan wrote his name on. But it was a place that had so many different choices and so many different gods. And so if you needed power, if you wanted to embrace that, you would go to the altar of Zeus. And right there uh, on, the, on the right side, that's the picture where the altar of Zeus once stood. Now, uh, the people of Turkey aren't too happy about this, but the people of Germany, uh, I guess along with their passion play, they also stole the altar of Zeus and put it uh, in one of their museums. And so that's the, the one in Germany. I haven't actually seen that one, but that was a picture I took uh, down there. And if you wanted power, you'd go and you would make a sacrifice on the altar of Zeus and that would help you to gain power in this world. Or maybe you weren't looking for power, but you were looking for pleasure. And if you were looking for pleasure, you would go to the temple of Dionysus. And right there, is I took it, that's from on top of the Acropolis, looking down, and there, as it gets closer to the village, is this place of pleasure. And every sort of pleasure that you could imagine, every sort of sinful pleasure that you could imagine happened down there in the temple of Dionysus. Or maybe you were worried about the crops this year and you were worried if you were going to have enough of a harvest and so you would go over to the sanctuary of Demeter. And in the sanctuary of Demeter, you could give a sacrifice to the gods there and they would make sure you had plenty of harvest. Or maybe you were sick and needed to be healed. And so if you were sick and you needed to be healed, this is a place that had the greatest healing center in all that known world at the time. And it was the temple of Asclepian. 
And in the temple of Asclepian, you would have all sorts of medical practices, which uh, we still, uh, you see these, you see, if you see that stone right there, it has two snakes uh, going to a bowl. And one of the ways we have our medical symbol today is this staff that is the staff of Asclepius. And they would do all sorts of interesting practices. They would take you and they would put you in these little uh, underground uh, rooms, infirmaries. And you would have to sleep, and as you slept, they would put snakes down there, and the snakes would crawl over you, and then you would speak to the god Asclepius, but actually it was these priests that would just be speaking to you above the, above the wall after you, they'd already drug you up and made you think you were talking to the god, and hopefully you would be healed of whatever illness you had. What archaeologists also found were a lot of, uh, rushed graves outside of the temple of Asclepius where they had to bury bodies where had a lot of botched medical procedures. If you weren't sick, but you were looking for wisdom in this world, you would go pray to the sanctuary at the sanctuary or the temple of Athena. And that's where you would be granted wisdom. Or maybe, maybe you were just proud to be a Roman citizen. You're proud of this great country that you're part of. You're proud of this great empire. And so you go and you give your allegiance and you give your prayers to the Caesar at the time and you go up to the temple of Trajan. And in there you could say Caesar is Lord. You see, they had all these things where if they had a need, they had a false god that they could go to. And now we might look at this and we might, we might laugh as we read about these Greek myths and these Roman myths and these false gods and why they would be as hokey as to put snakes on them at night and that would be what saved them. But don't we so often put our hope, put our faith, put our desires in the things of this world? That was what their world looked like at the time. But our world, well, we might not have these false gods built in these temples like this. We have a lot of things that we put our faith, a lot of things that we put our hope in. If we want power in this world, what do you think it is that we search out to get power in this world? Maybe it's that we search out uh, relationships that we can get power over other people. Maybe we try to climb to the top of the business ladder, which is, is, seems like a noble thing to do, but we don't care who we step on to climb our way to the top. Maybe we put all of our faith all of our hope in the almighty dollar. And we say, this is what's going to give us power. This is what's going to be my hope. This is what I need. There's so many things that we do to search out power. And it's not that we go to the altar of Zeus, but we do put so much faith, so much hope in money. And the thing is, we, we need money. But do we need to bow down to it? Maybe we don't go to the temple of Dionysus for our pleasure. 
But don't we often want to fulfill our own sinful desires? Don't we have a problem with in this world where we, we try to, to search out instant gratification and, and just like well, they would go into the temple of Dionysus, don't we go into places we shouldn't? And look in places we shouldn't to fulfill this desire that we have within us. And it's not a desire that's going to truly give us pleasure, that's going to truly give us joy. But these sinful desires that can tear us apart, can tear apart our families, can tear apart marriages, can tear apart relationships, because we seek to satisfy ourselves first and most importantly. Maybe we don't uh, go to Demeter and pray for our crops, but how often is it that we sit down and if we say a prayer before our meal, uh, often it's just rushed and rehearsed, and so often we forget how blessed we are by what the one true God has given us. And how much money and how much time do we invest in the, the health of our lives? How many of us have things in our garage where, where uh, we thought, well, this is, this is going to be the exercise equipment that is going to finally get me healthy and fit. And while being healthy and fit is a good thing. We just search for the answers in so many different places. Instead of looking to our God for that. And where do we seek the wisdom of the world? We might not go to the temple of Athena, but we have the answer to every question we want to know right at our fingertips. We go to Google and we, we Google in what, 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 whatever answers we, we we're looking for or whatever questions we're looking an answer for. And what's funny is we have all this knowledge, more knowledge than anyone else has ever had in this world, and yet... Aren't we the most confused society ever? We're so utterly confused in this world. And we should have all the answers. So what's the answer? Where do we go? How can we find out the answers to all of life's questions? And it's not going to be what the people of Pergamum did. Where they went and they sought out all the things around them. And they, they mixed and matched and took a little bit of all the, uh, all the gods of, of the area. They never found what they were looking for. What's interesting is I was... Looking out at the Acropolis from the bottom, I was down in the city, and where I am right here, it's it's close to where the healing center is, and I'm looking right up at that Acropolis, and that's the view on the left. That's where I'm looking at it, and I'm just thinking, this place is incredible. Matter of fact, we had to take a sky tram because it was so high up. We took this little gondola thing all the way to the top of it, and that was scary. I trust these trams in the United States. I don't know if I trusted them as much in Turkey. I don't know what their regulations are there, but 
As I'm going up here, I'm thinking, this is incredible. And it's hard not to walk around in these ancient cities and see these huge columns and these huge temples and not think, this is incredible. And how hard would it have been for the people of the time? When this stuff wasn't lying in ruins, but this stuff was, was new and, 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 and built and you'd see it in all its glory. Why wouldn't we put our hope in them? Why wouldn't we put our faith in it? And as I was sitting, I had this moment as I'm down at the bottom of, uh, of, of this mountain, as I'm looking up at the Acropolis, and I realize all of this now is lying in ruins. All of the hopes of that world, all of the dreams of that world, all of the things that they were looking for, it's now lying in ruins. It, it's pretty impressive. At one point, it was incredibly impressive, but it lies in ruins. And I want eternal answers. I want something that's going to help me out eternally. I want to look for what's going to be my eternal destination, my eternal health, my eternal power. And it's not in the things of this world. The thing was, these Christians, they, they held to their Christian faith, but they also dabbled in what was going on up there. It was easier because they were killing Christians. would have been hard to be in their shoes, obviously. And so they practiced their Christianity, but they also dabbled in the world. And that's why it says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are among you some who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you have also held on to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. What he's saying is he sees that they are they held strong to him. They call themselves Christians, but they're also playing around with the world and allowing the world to influence them. And he's saying this is just like what was happening with Israel. It wasn't that God didn't want the Israelites to be friends with their neighbors. It's that they wouldn't just be friends with their neighbors. It wasn't that they were going to be a light to that community. It was that they were dabbling within the world. And they were accepting their gods as their own. They were practicing the immoral practices that that world was in. And that's what he's trying to tell them today is saying, don't be like the world. You have to live in the world, but don't be of the world. And that's what it means to us as well. We live in a world that's confused, a world that's immoral, a world that's corrupt. And it's easy to maybe just be a Christian on Sunday and then take on the things of the world the rest of the week. Unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. The world starts to corrupt us and when the world corrupts us, we end up just like this city on a hill that lies in ruins. So what do we do? Jesus says, turn back to me. He tells us to repent. Do you want true power? Do you want, you won't find it at the altar of Zeus? You won't find it in money? 
You won't find it in the, the things of this world that only lead to ruin. You're going to find it in Him. That's why Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's what he's saying is, he, Paul tells us that he can do everything with Christ that gives him strength. Christ gives him the strength. And that gives him power. And he's not talking about he can do everything like a lot of athletes write this on their, their ball caps. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength so I can go and hit home runs or I can go uh, and golf and hit a hole in one. That's not what Paul is talking about at all. If you read the whole verse, Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've earned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. What Paul is saying right here is no matter what condition I'm in, no matter what the situation is, whether it's good, whether it's bad, I can get my hope in Jesus Christ. My eternal hope is in Jesus Christ. It's not in the things of this world. And I can have the peace of Jesus Christ because I know He came to this world and He died for me so that I can live with Him eternally. We need to turn and seek God. Not the pleasures of this world that so easily entice us. James chapter 1, verse 14 says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from God our Father, who created all the lights in heavens, and never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Paul tells us that this temptation comes from our desires. So often these desires to be like the world, to have this instant gratification, but these desires give birth to sin, which gives birth to death, destruction, ruin. They just take us down this tunnel that doesn't take us anywhere we want to go. And what Jesus would want us to realize is our joy, our true pleasure in this world is in Him. It's in the good things of this world. It's in being gentle and being kind and being loving to others. Our true pleasures are in the good things of God. And so think about those things and dwell on those things and live in His light. We look for so many answers in this world, but our answers only truly come from our Lord. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3 says, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ Himself. In Him lie no hidden, in Him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If we follow the things of this world, we're just going to be more and more confused. But if we follow Jesus Christ, it's going to unlock the wisdom of this world. The book of Proverbs just gives us wisdom of how to live a good life here on this earth. But more importantly, Jesus comes and He makes that even more revolutionary because it's going to change our entire eternity. 
I took so many philosophy, not so many, I took one philosophy class and I think eventually I walked out of it because it was just asking questions on this world, all these things about this world, all these questions that they had. And I thought, I looked at my professor and I said, he doesn't know the answer to anything. And all these questions he has, I have the answer because Jesus Christ has given this to me. I don't have to worry about my purpose in this world. My purpose is to glorify God. I don't have to worry about where I'm going to go from this world. I know I have a place that Jesus has built for us, has set up for us in heaven. I know where I go. And I know my purpose, and that's what God has given us. Not the confusion that the world gives. We worry about living a long, healthy life. Often we worry about sickness, and we worry about death. And the thing is, sickness and death are inevitable. I googled, who's the person in the world. And I had an idea. I figured I'd know what this was. And the first answer I saw came up a man named Charles Ugster. He's over from in Britain. He was 96 years old at the time and he had just won his second World Masters Athletic Championship in 2016. So in 2016, after he won that championship, he gave a, a, a he gave a, a lesson on what it meant to live a healthy life. All the things he did, and he was 96. That's a that's a good good uh, good age to live to. And guess what happened in the next year? He's gone. Because no matter how healthy we live, we're only going to be here a while, and then we'll be gone. It's a good thing to be healthy. We want to live as long as we can to glorify our God while we're here. But in reality, we've got to worry about our spiritual health. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, Jesus personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By His wounds, we are healed. So we need to live healed in Jesus Christ. Spiritual healing. We want to be healthy as we can on this earth, but we don't have to let that worry us about what's going to be inevitable. Jesus finishes this letter to the Pergamum church. It says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give them hidden manna, I will also give the person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the ones who receive it. What he wants them to know is just as the Israelites were being fed by God and being taken care of by God, he is going to take care of them while they live in this city where Satan lives. He's going to take care of them. And to the one that's victorious, he is going to give them this white stone. And what a lot of scholars say is this white stone is very similar to, to what a king would give a person that had their name on it that showed them that it was their invitation to always eat at the king's table. 
And that's what Jesus offers us. The invitation to eat with Him. The invitation to eternal life. The invitation to be with Him forever. To be at His banquet table. That's His invitation to you today. You can turn from your sins. The sins of the world. You can turn from those and you can give your life back to Him. Not dabble in the things of this world that end in ruin, but live a life with Him that lives eternally. You can be baptized into His death and then raised into His resurrection so that you can have a life in Christ both here on this earth and one day in eternity. If there's anything we can do for you, if we can pray for you, if we can uh, baptize you into His name, please come while we stand and sing.